0: there and welcome to the depot cast for thursday september 17th 2020 uh i'm mike uh doing this one solo tonight so uh we wanted to do a podcast about fundraising with uh mary and dan uh but the timing didn't work out so i came home and i got my own microphone out and i'm going to talk a little bit alone about uh some stuff that the museum has done for uh Inclusivity and accessibility and things like that, um, which we sort of put under the umbrella of this thing called Museums Are For Everyone. Um, so, uh, before I get to that, if you have an email question for us, send it to depocast at gmail.com. Uh, you can hit us up on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or YouTube. We have a YouTube channel now that you can find us at Duran Union Station. Um, we're trying a lot of different things. And some of that feeds into museums are for everyone. And some of that is us just trying to do new things and keep ourselves from going out of our minds and, you know, have fun. We want to have fun with our jobs and we want people to have fun with what we do. Um, And for me personally, as the curator of the museum and as someone who, for whatever reason, they give a lot of uh, power to to make decisions, uh, I want to have fun. I want to have fun making museum stuff uh, because I think you'll have fun if I have fun. Um, and together we're going to have fun. So today's podcast uh, probably won't be super long. Uh, this is kind of a, a stopgap gap uh, between one that we actually want to do next week. Um, so we're going to try to record that because Dan has some really cool stories about fundraising and how Duran Union Station has kept itself alive over the last 40 years, um, you know, not to pre-sell a podcast we're not delivering today, but, um, anyway, so we're going to talk about museums are for everyone and I've kind of have this charted out a little bit cause I want to make sure I said everything I was going to say. Um, and we have this broken down, uh, today into sort of five categories, uh, age, physical ability, uh, autism spectrum, uh, race and sexual orientation and gender identity, um, which are all things that we take very seriously. And we want to make sure that everybody has, uh, the same amount of fun when they come into the, into the museum or the depot. And, uh, we want to make sure that everybody's catered to, but before I get into some of the things that we've done, uh, I have a book that we use at the museum. Uh, it's a, you know, I'm, I i do not want to say textbook cause it's not, but it's the sort of book that you get when you go to grad school for museum work. Like I did. Um, That's called Programming for People with Special Needs, a Guide for Museums and Historic Sites by Katie Stringer um, through Roman and Littlefield Publishing. Uh, And I just want to read a little bit to sort of set where my mindset comes from. Um, Successful museums continually grow and adapt to the world around them. From uh, aristocratic beginnings in Western Europe for the wealthy, educated elite, to community educational centers, museums have come a long way from the first exhibits of universities and world fairs. As today's museum reaches out to increasingly diverse audiences engaging experiences for all visitors is essential museums and historic sites are more successful when they strive to implement universally designed and tactile education programs for all visitors including those with accessibility or other special needs um that is a pretty good summation of why we do what we do with museums are for everyone uh the world is changing. Uh, things that used to be swept under the rug are no longer done as such. Uh, and these people are human beings with thoughts and feelings and rights and they exist. And we want to make sure that these people are respected. Um, and we want to make sure that all of our visitors have a good time. So this isn't meant to be a political conversation. Uh, as a museum and a nonprofit, we are supposed to be a political, uh, we tell the truth as we know it, uh, to the best of our ability and we try our best to get the story right. But at the same time, uh, we believe very strongly as both a community organization and as a, I guess an institution of higher learning because we have a reference library and uh, archive and all that, that, um, every human being has value. Uh, and there is no sense in my mind or at the organizational level, to exclude anyone from our premises for any reason. Um, Legally, I don't think we can. (laughs) Not that we would ever try to test that theory. Um, The only time we have ever excluded anybody is when they have committed some sort of offense against the organization or the collection or were like abusive, like behavioral reasons to get ejected are one thing, but uh, you will never be turned away because of who you are at Duran Union Station, um, as it should be. So uh, I'm going to start this by talking about what we do for people around different age groups. Um, And because we're a railroad museum, we're kind of in the position where a lot of our visitorship is either really young or really old. And that's not like, I don't mean that as a pejorative. Um, People tend to have picked up on trains when they were kids. And a lot of the people who are senior citizens today, remember them when they were steam engines Uh, and so there's that fascination with them that has come back to them, um, in their, in their time, once they're retired and they have more time to dedicate to things, um, we've seen that a lot. So we have to make sure that we tell stories through our exhibits and through our programming that appeal to everybody from age two to 102 and beyond, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Canius is beyond 102 and we want to make sure that he's having a good time when he comes in as well. So, um, to tell you this part of the story, I kind of want to discuss our friend Axel, who I've discussed on the podcast before. Uh, I started to know, know Axel when he was two. Um, and uh, Axel's the kid who calls me Mr. Conductor. And until recently, I didn't, I didn't realize he knew my real name, uh, which is hilarious. But um, Axel is sort of like the true believer of how wonderful the railroad is and how wonderful trains are. And he comes in just about every Thursday, although he has started kindergarten, which, you know, I don't have kids, but it makes you feel amazing when they when they grow up and they go off and do cool things like this. Um, that, uh, he comes in regularly. He's what he's like our most consistent visitor. Uh, I know like you could set a watch or a calendar by what day Axel showed up. Cause he'd show up every Thursday with his, his, uh, Nana and Papa, uh, his great grandparents who, uh, are fortunate enough to be of an age where they get to be around their, uh, their grandkids and their great grandkids and be present in their lives. And it's awesome. Um, so we have to make sure that he has things that he can do that are fun. Um, for a lot of kids, his age, uh, and his younger sister Lexa and his even younger brother Jensen, um, a lot of that, uh, is the Thomas, the tank engine play table, uh, which we've recently had expanded uh, our friend, Jim Foreman built us a bigger one. Uh, that is the primary sort of vehicle for young people to engage with what we do. Uh, because a lot of our exhibits are sort of designed for probably a fifth grade reading level upward. So it kind of, it, a lot of that stuff without the pictures just sort of flies over the head of some of these kids. So, um, but we are trying, uh, the display that we just finished about the roundhouse that doesn't have its labels in it yet uh, is made out of a model train set. So we want kids to sort of engage with it on the, on that level and, and have a good time with that. Um, but yeah, they play with the Thomas uh, table and they can build their own track. We don't have anything anchored to the deck, so they can build it however they want. And they get to learn a little bit about how logistics work and, oh, well, I can't have four trains here. There's not enough space. Uh, So that stuff is useful in some ways. Um, For a time, we did have a a model play set out for kids to run a real model train, but uh, they, you know, kids sometimes didn't always treat it very nice. So it would fly off the track. And even though you would get a good opportunity to explain to them how physics work and centrifugal and centripetal force, uh, it was hard to keep that thing running. So We had to put it away. Um, so that's kind of what we have for kids right now. Uh, we do have other like programming that we do sometimes that we've discussed on other podcasts, like the orphan train and, uh, we are trying to get into doing virtual tours now that we have this online, uh, virtual thing that we can do over zoom, uh, and get to kids, uh, at school. But, uh, That's currently what we have. The stuff for adults is actually kind of self-explanatory. Like the museum is primarily designed for them. So most of what they're engaged with is in a display case or hanging on the wall. It's got a label attached to it that explains what it is, gives it some context, that sort of thing. Um, But the other thing that we want to do, and here's sort of the inside baseball reference for people who are museum folk, is uh, these exhibits are designed for intergenerational communication. Um, And in a museum way, like in a, I guess, what I'm trying to get at here is we want people to talk to their kids about what they're seeing or to talk to their grandparents about what they're seeing and have a dialogue between the two of them about the exhibit that they're both standing in front of because they'll both retain it more if they have a conversation about what they're seeing, but it also gets them to talk to each other in ways that the exhibit doesn't necessarily drive. Like, yes, here's what the exhibit is about, but we want you, you and whoever you're with to have this conversation about what it means to you, what you could infer from what you're seeing. The photos sometimes don't always have a label that says exactly what's in there, which is by design uh, cause we want people to sort of notice things. Um, I personally think it's great when people notice something about an exhibit that we didn't overtly talk about. Um, that is the best feeling in the world because it means they paid attention and they were interested enough to follow it up and that's good. So that's kind of what we do about how to make sure that our museum is accessible to people who are of a variety of ages. Um, the museum also has a fence all the way around it. So people like to bring their kids and grandkids to the museum because they know they can run around. Um, and they just run in circles and tire themselves out. Uh, in fact, Axel and his uh, new friend Avery do just that when they're both around together. They run in circles, they do laps around the building, and then they're tired. And um, I know grandparents appreciate it because then they go home and, and get a good nap in. So um, that's what we do for the age thing. Um, moving to physical ability, uh, Duran Union Station is by mandate uh, ADA compliant, American Disabilities Act compliant, because we are an Amtrak facility. And because we're an Amtrak facility, uh, there are federal guidelines that we have to follow. So things like uh, wheelchair ramps exist, and we have an elevator to get you to the second floor, and the bathrooms have handicap accessible stalls, uh, things of that nature that are uh, there to help people get on the train but are also just good ideas. And this building is very old. The, the depot is 115 years old and it wasn't designed for people in wheelchairs 115 years ago, but we've been able to modify enough of it to make sure that people can get in however they need to. Um, the other thing that we've done is a couple of years ago, Tim and I redesigned the entire museum gallery and repositioned all of the cases and moved the gift shop to one corner uh, and put an, uh, an information desk in the center of the room. And we did that on purpose because we wanted it to, we wanted the room to have more access for people in wheelchairs and walkers uh, uh, specifically. One of the other benefits was um, it located. It, um, I would say it concentrated all of the merchandise into one area, which is something that we wanted. Um, it put the information desk front and center. So whoever was working gift shop or museum that day would, uh, be kind of right there at the desk so people could see them as they walked in. Um, but, uh, the other thing about it was the way that the cases were previously set up, they were on a, uh, diagonal slant on the exterior sort of ring of the room and people would walk through it all the time and miss cases, which is no good when a lot of what you do is putting things in those cases. So, um, we set it up in a way that you basically can do two loops around the room and see everything. And, uh, and as a result, though, the aisleways and the pathways through the room are much wider. Um, so you can get through as much as you want now. Uh, and that makes us very happy. So that is how museums are for everyone, especially, uh, people who need a little extra help to get around, uh, or on a wheelchair or something that is big. Uh, we have, we've noticed, uh, a lot of really happy people that are in electric wheelchairs, for instance, because they are uh, of a bigger form fit than a, than a standard wheelchair. Um, and we make sure that we talk to people when they come in to, to ensure that they're comfortable. Like we're a small enough museum that it's easy for us to just encounter people inside the building and say, Hey, how you doing today? Are you feeling all right? Um, you know, if you need anything, let us know. If you need extra space, tell us so we can fix it, that sort of stuff. Um, so the next one that I want to talk about is autism spectrum. Uh we recognize at the station that people who are on the spectrum anecdotally seem to care an awful lot about trains. Um and I wouldn't say all of them do, but a lot of them that come in uh are on the spectrum and and sort of the other way around that we notice that a lot of our guests have it. Um And uh, it is wonderful that uh, they love us enough to come and check it out. Um, And this is somewhat of a thing that happens with younger kids who are on the spectrum. A lot of their initial experience with trains is like over the internet. They've only ever seen stuff from an iPad screen or from a computer. So they have no frame of reference for how much force a train has when it goes by Durand at 60 miles an hour. They are very loud. Uh, they are, they, there's an actual, like you get a wind push off of them because they're huge. Um, they shake the ground, you know, they're very physically intimidating. They're like miraculously huge items that come through. Um, so with that in mind, we want to make sure that everybody who comes in is comfortable, And one of the ways that we've done that for people who are on the spectrum is we've uh, started distributing sensory bags. And the sensory bags have a bunch of items in there that will help people who are on the spectrum uh, communicate or just enjoy their time at the depot. And so we have a nonverbal communication card that discusses things like, where's the bathroom? I'm hungry. Uh, I need some I need hearing protection. I need sunglasses, so on and so forth. Um, we give out free pairs of sunglasses because people who are sensitive to light need them. Uh, every once in a while I'm sensitive to light cause I get migraines. So it's nice to have sunglasses once in a while. Uh, hearing protection. We have earplugs that we just give people for free, but we also loan out, uh, earmuffs that go up and over your ear that don't cost anything. You just borrow them and bring them back and then I'll Lysol them and, you know, we'll give them to the next person. Uh, and then uh, fidget toys, because sometimes we've noticed that uh, people who are on the spectrum or people who have anxiety disorders uh, like to sort of roll something around in their hand. Uh, it calms them down. Uh, and, but uh, it's like the cost of it is immaterial. It's super inexpensive to do this, but the cost isn't the point. The The point is to do something good for another human being that could use this stuff. Um, and, the joy that I feel personally when somebody's parent says, Oh, I can't believe you actually know about this stuff is amazing. If I feel so good to give a parent, a peace of mind about that, that this is a place that knows and cares, like, which is all that we ever want to try and portray at Duran union station is that we get it. We understand. And there are aspects to it that we'll never fully understand because we're not in that position, But we, we want to, we want to get there. We want to know as much as we can. Um, so the other thing that we try to do for kids who are on the autism spectrum, uh, ties into the fencing thing that, uh, this is a a safe place to run around. Um, sometimes if your son or daughter is on the spectrum, you being their parent is like, you don't actually have a place to work. You have, you have to kind of take care of your kid full time and they're always near you. So We offer free Wi-Fi, and we've had more than one parent take us up on the offer and sit at a desk and get their work done while their kid runs around all day or takes photos, and they have a good time, and it works out for everybody because, you know, we want people to enjoy the building and do what they do. Uh, The other thing about it is we try to direct kids who look like they might have some sort of an affinity to it to our friends of the Model Railroad Club on Saturdays because a lot of people that have floated through that organization or are members um, are on the spectrum themselves or, uh, or are familiar enough with kids who are on the spectrum to take good care of them. Like that we trust them to be nice and to be thoughtful and to take care of them. So we've had a couple of kids who have graduated from being like a normal visitor of the station to being, a uh, model railroader and it's great to see them on the weekends we have um one young guy who was very non-verbal when we first got to know him when he was really young and nowadays he's a chatterbox and it's awesome i I love to go and see him on saturdays and say hey man what's going on and and talks my ear off about the trains and when they're going to come through and it's just it's awesome you know uh i'm not going to say i'm not going to take a lot of credit for for that but um i feel like he feels like he has a home at the depot with all of us sort of train people. And I, and that's awesome. It makes me feel great. Um, so that's kind of where we are on the, uh, autism spectrum thing for museums are for everyone. Um, so before I move into the last two, cause I'm already at 20 minutes, I want to talk about the museums are for everyone shirt again, that we're selling online. Um, there are two variants. There's one that has a bunch of negative things about, people's perception of museums that are crossed out with the phrase museums are for everyone at the bottom. And then there's another one where all of the phrases on it are positive. Museums are interesting. Museums are fun. Museums are for play. Museums are part of your community, that sort of thing. Um, Those shirts are $16. Uh, We're selling them inexpensive on purpose because we want people to wear them and, and be proud. They're nice shirts. They're made out of that tribe blend uh, soft style material. So they're, very comfy, uh, 16 bucks. You can buy them online or you can come into the depot and take a look at them in person and buy them there. But we're, we'd be happy to sell them out and then make more and sell more of them. So, uh, think about buying them. Uh, remember if you use the code depot cast, uh, you get a little discount. I think it's, uh, I think it's 20% off anything over 25 bucks. So if you buy that shirt and something else, you could probably qualify. So, uh, think about it, go to our online store and maybe buy a shirt. Um, okay, moving on. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, inclusivity when it comes to race. And this is a thing that we've started doing, but we're not fully there yet. And it's something that I want to get to, um, for the longest time, this museum had absolutely no reference to African Americans on the railroad or, uh, you know, the, the efforts and the work that black people have put in to this thing. And and I think it's probably just a, a consequence of duran not being particularly racially diverse duran's like 99.4 percent white or something um so it was kind of a gap in our coverage and we try really hard to cover as much as we can and fill in any gaps that we have well curtis who's our librarian is african-american and it was sort of a passion project for him he'd always wanted to do an exhibit about uh black contributions to the railroad So a couple years back, uh, we had cleared a case and we decided this was, we should do this. Let's work together. So it became this display where, uh, Curtis and myself worked on all the stories and we put it together and we built this thing and we were pretty proud of it, except that I didn't, I had this thought in my mind as, um, sort of the months afterward came through is that I didn't feel like that case hit hard enough. That all we talked about were these success stories, right? And um, th- I feel very strongly that success stories aren't as impactful if you don't discuss the trials and tribulations that people had to go through to succeed. Um, so we went back. We put we put more photos in the display case. We went back and we told the story of what it meant to be black in America. Before the, uh, before and after the, uh, the, uh, Civil Rights Act and what it meant to be black on the railroad. Um, and it's a pretty hard look at what white people did to black people. Uh, it's tough. If you're standing there reading it, you're not going to feel super great. Um, at least if you have a conscience. So but I believed that it was necessary that we needed to go back and we needed to tell the story correctly. And now that that is in there, I feel so much better about what we've done because I feel like we've told the truth and a sanitized version of history is not history. Um, A sanitized version of history is a fairy tale. It's something you tell to make yourself feel better. And as a public historian and as a professional historian, Um, there is no, for me, at least there is no option, but to tell the truth as far as we can get. Um, sometimes we don't have all the facts and we have to go through and revise and that's fine. That's just part of being a historian that you don't always have everything and then more things come to light and you fix it. Um, but it is our job and it is our obligation and our duty to tell as much of the story as possible uh, no matter where that leads and you will not always be the hero of your story. So we try really hard to get there. Um, but when we talk about how black people impacted the railroad, I recognize that we are not very good at discussing the impact of other ethnicities, such as um, people of Irish descent or, um, Chinese labor that helped build the railroad, not necessarily in Michigan, but in general. Um, and those are gaps and we have to fix that. Uh, so that's the sort of thing that we'll be looking to improve upon as we move forward, because the railroad wasn't just built by one person. It wasn't just built by like industrial white people or whatever. It was built by a large collection of individuals who may or may not have been treated well. And uh, we owe it to those people and their descendants and their memories to get the story right and describe what happened to them. So if what happened to them was negative, we never do it again. That's incredibly important. and It's something that we need to do. So um, the last section here that I want to discuss, and certainly not least is sexual orientation and gender identity. And I kind of want to get into this a little bit because there just isn't a lot of academic material on like sexual orientation on the railroad um it's something that as more of it is written and comes to light it's something that we'll be able to get more into um but we do have on display uh an exhibit about the women who worked on the railroad in michigan and in durand Uh, starring a lot of the people who live in town. There's people who are still alive and people who have passed on that um, are referenced in there and have their stories told. And I think my favorite thing about that exhibit is that we have a pedestal in front of it that has a binder full of people's stories, local people's stories with an invitation that if you have the story of your grandmother or your mother or whoever, and you want to share it, bring it in. We'll put it in there. And then they can be part of the exhibit too cause we want it to be this community sort of thing. Um, and you know, people tend to think of the railroad as this manly activity where, you know, the typical vision of the guy with coal dust and all that. But we want to make sure that people understand that the railroad wasn't just one gender. It was, it was everybody under the sun got in on it and did work. And, um, people weren't always treated well, but, uh, you want to tell that story. Um, but the other, th- the, the thing I wanted to talk about here, and this is kind of new for us is last year at Christmas, we have, we, okay. So the backup, we have jokingly called our storage closet downstairs, the Harry Potter room, because it is literally a cupboard under the stairs. Uh, and if you're familiar with the Harry Potter story, uh, Harry Potter, when he lived with his aunt and uncle lived in a little tiny room before he was uh, underneath the stairs, before he was taken off to wizard school. Um, So we've been jokingly calling it that for a while. And then last year at Christmas time, we thought, Oh, it might be cute to actually like follow through on the Harry Potter thing. And so we bought some Harry Potter toys and whatnot. And we turned that corner where that door is into like a miniature little Hogwarts, which is the school that they went to. Um, And that was really adorable and it got a lot of traction and people were really happy about it. Um, And then it came out recently that J.K. Rowling, who is the author of the Harry Potter series, is very much uh, against the idea of transgendered people being given the, like transgendered people having the identity that they want, that they've chosen. Their identity, she kind of refuses to, accept them for who they are. And that's a tough thing for us to do because at, at a certain point, like you would expect maybe like the concept of the death of the author, author where their work is sort of as divorced from who they are as a person. And you see that all over the place. Like you, you couldn't talk about anything from HP Lovecraft today without also discussing kind of what his weird beliefs were. Um, but in this case, I think that wound is really fresh um, and I think w- as much as people would appreciate the Harry Potter thing and find it cute, the possibility of us really hurting somebody's feelings is there and we don't want to do that. So the Harry Potter thing isn't going to happen this year. Um, we've come up with an, uh, with an alternate idea for that corner. It's so like, that's not a problem. Like we were always going to come up with something that looked cute in that area, but, from a, like our conscience as a, as an organization and as the people in it has sort of directed us toward, um, we don't want anybody to walk into the museum and not feel comfortable and not feel welcome. And right now the Harry Potter stuff is kind of a powder keg. Um, and it's not the fault of the intellectual property as much as that could have any fault. Um, the author has made choices that will reflect on her and her legacy and how people respect her. And that's her choice. Um, we want to stay away from that. We want people to feel comfortable and have a good time. So, um, I'm sorry if you like the Harry Potter thing, I really like the Harry Potter thing too, but, um, we're going to do this because we want people to, to feel good. So, um, I wanted to make sure that I said that is part of our museums are for everyone thing, because I think it's important um that we do think about this stuff um but also i want to make sure that people who are out there listening understand that we want to get it right whenever we can but we don't always get it right and if you notice something that's on display or not uh, referenced at all that you believe we should talk about that we're missing something that there's a gap in our coverage we want to know because we want to get it right and if somebody is being made to feel uncomfortable by something that is being omitted or discussed, um, we want to hear about that. Uh, we want people to be able to be introspective and think about their place in history and their place in the world. But we also don't want people to feel like they're not welcome in our museum because of who they are. Uh, so as much as our overall desire is to get things right. We acknowledge that we won't always do so that we are human and we will fail. But uh, part of failing is uh, dusting yourself off and getting back up and trying again. And uh, we want to make sure that everybody realizes that it is a good faith effort on our part to do the right thing um, because we believe very strongly that museums are for everyone, that museums are meant to be fun And we want to make sure that everyone has the same amount of fun. So um, that's my sort of 33-minute dissertation on that for this week. Um, Next time we talk, it'll probably be about fundraisers. Um, Dan has some really good stories that we were already laughing about and then decided, hey, we need to shut up and actually record this next week. So um, I know everybody misses uh, Mackenzie, and we miss her too, and we'll get her back on the show soon too. Uh, but yeah, so that's the podcast for, uh, Thursday, the 17th of September, uh, 2020. And, uh, if you've got a question, email us at, uh, depotcast at Duran station. Oh no, not Duran station, depotcast at gmail.com. <laughs> See how well I remember things and, uh, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. See ya.